You're listening to the Finding Christ in the Old Testament series, preaching by Pastor Rick Dressler at Maple City Baptist Church in Chatham, Ontario. For more information about Maple City, please visit us online at maplecitybaptistchurch.com. Take your Bibles this morning, if you would, and look at 2 Samuel chapter 22 this morning. If you are here last week, you had to endure that terrible, scratchy, voice. And I'm, I think I'm getting better. It doesn't sound as bad as it did last week, but it's still not great. So we're going to go through this morning and we'll see how we do. We come to 2 Samuel chapter 22, and as we approach the end of 2 Samuel, we're also approaching in the story the end of David's life. And in this chapter, David is um, actually It's a song of thanksgiving. We find the same psalm. Psalm 18 is identical, almost identical to this chapter. And it's a psalm of reflection. It's a psalm of salvation and deliverance. And David is exhorting God over the deliverance of his enemies. Uh, David could have written any story at this time in his life. The truth is he could have been a story of a great and powerful king. By this point in David's life, he had become a great king politically. amassing huge power, but instead David will tell a story of a great and powerful God, and we'll find it here in 2 Samuel chapter 22. And so uh, the psalm itself, Psalm 18, you can check it out, has 50 verses. This chapter has 51. And what I'd like to do this morning is just go to the first 20 verses. And what I'd like to do is I'd like for you to help me, okay? I think we're going to try to read together as a congregation. And so here's my plan. (laughs) My plan is that I will read the first verse, all the odd numbers. That's one, three, five, seven, nine. You get the idea. And you will read the even numbers. Now, if you you have a problem with reading out loud, it's, it's okay. No one will bat an eye at you. But if you can read, please read together. Now, the key for this is to understand it's not a competition. It's not who can read the loudest or the fastest. We just want you to read together, okay? And that means if this is going to work this morning, you have to pay attention. It's always a good thing in church. You will read the even numbers and use the punctuation, which is if there's a comma or a period, you stop and take a breath. Everybody with me so far? I know it's early, but I think we can do this, okay? Yeah. Everybody with me? You got to be more enthusiastic. Are you with me? Okay. All right. Okay. You make me nervous when you give this little, yeah, all right? (laughs) This will help me and it will help you. And what I want us to do this morning as we read, though, don't just get caught up in the reading, but listen to what's being said. Listen how David is talking about his, his distress at first and then the deliverance that he finds in his Savior. So let's begin this morning, starting at verse number one. I will begin. David spake unto the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord had delivered him out of the hand of all his enemies and out of the hand of Saul. And the God of my rock, in him will I trust. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower and my refuge, my savior. Thou savest me from violence. I 
When the waves of death compassed me, the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. In my distress, I cried unto the Lord and cried to my God, and he did hear my voice out of his temple, and my cry did enter into his ears. There went up a smoke out of his nostrils, and fire out of his mouth devoured. Coals were kindled by it. And he rode upon a cherub, and did fly, and he was seen upon the wings of the wind. Through the brightness before him were coals of fire kindled. And he sent out arrows and scattered them, lightning and discomforted them. He sent from above, he took me, he drew me out of many waters. They prevented me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my stay. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. That was beautiful. I actually enjoyed that. Maybe we should do that more often. I want you to see this morning the intensity of David's praise in this song that he delivers. And we need to understand it this morning. Because I believe as we see David's intensity and his utter delight in the God that he knows and the God that has delivered him, not only does it help us understand God, but it will change us this morning as well. And so the first thing I want you to see is his desperate distress. Look back at verses 5 through 7. Actually, 5 and 6 should do it. When the waves of death compassed me, the floods on godly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. And here David is talking, reviewing about his life and what was going on in his life. And uh, it's interesting there that he says, listen, death was all about me. If you remember the story of David, when he talks about his distress here, this is not just hyperbole from David. In 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 3, when he was on the run from Saul, listen to what he says to Jonathan. He says at the end of that verse, But truly, as the Lord liveth, and as my soul liveth, there is one step between me and death. And so when David speaks here, he's talking about real distress. He is not speaking of a flat tire or a gallbladder attack, which is important, I know, I know it is. But, but when he's speaking here, he's talking about real life and death. When he says, I was one step away from death, death was hounding him. He was number one on the king's hit list for enemies. And Saul's goal was to change David's address to the grave. That was his goal. And David went through years of running for his life. Death daily dogged his tracks. And so we read this from David. And and for most of us, I think, we have not been here. 
Now, some of you folks have had near-death experiences. I know that. That you were brought right to the brink of death and God delivered you. I was talking to the teenagers on Friday night and talking about trying to relate to David, but I thought that most men would at least relate to David because we do dumb things that take us to the point of death. There's a reason that men die earlier than women. They're stupid. And we've learned that the frontal lobe that, that helps develop judgment and form judgment is not formed completely until the age of 25. And for some men, it's much longer than that. And that's why you hear guys say, Shazam, watch this. That's the last thing they ever say, right? And some of us have been there, and God has delivered us from death. But maybe this morning it's hard for you to sort of relate to David because it's like, well, I'm oblivious to that. My life has been good, and so this idea of distress and desperate distress is new to me. But can I remind you this morning as a believer that the idea of death dogging our tracks is not new to the saint of God. Because the fact is, all we like sheep have gone astray. And the truth is, as we ran our hell-bound race, we were one step away from eternal death and destruction. I like what David says in Psalm chapter 40. He says, he brought me up also out of a horrible pit and out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. And he has put a new song in my mouth and even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and hear, and shall trust in the Lord. And this morning, let me remind all of you who know Christ as Savior, the truth is, there should be times in our life when we look back and understand that by God's grace, through Jesus Christ, we have been delivered from death. We ought to think about that more often. I think one of the problems, not just with kids who are you know, second, third generation Christians, but for believers who have been at this for a long time, I think we have forgotten the sinfulness of our sin. And somehow in our minds we think that my sin isn't so bad, God saved me and I'm good to go, but the truth is it was my sin, it was your sin that hung Jesus Christ to the cross. And in light of that, we should constantly be um, thanking and praising him for his deliverance from death. There's a story in Luke chapter 7, and uh, it's a story of Jesus going to a Pharisee's house. He's having dinner there. And as he's having dinner, a woman comes in, and the woman is a known sinner. I mean, everybody knows this woman. She's a prostitute in town. And so she comes into this, you know, this religious gathering. She walks to the doors. Everyone sees her. They know what kind of woman she is, and she comes to the feet of Christ. And she's weeping, and her tears are flowing, and she's washing his feet with her tears and her hair. And the one man says, Simon says, if he knew what kind of woman this was, he wouldn't let her touch him. And Jesus says, Simon, I've got a story for you. It's always great when Jesus starts. I've got a story for you. It's usually not going to end well for you. <laughs> And he says, there was a person who had debt, and they were given, forgiven much, and there was a person who had a little debt, and they were forgiven least. Which one do you think will love the most? And Simon says, well, I guess the one who has been given the most, forgiven the most debt. Jesus said, you've said well. And then in verse 47 of that text, he says, wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. 
but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And I just want to remind you this morning, I don't care who you are, if you're a blood-bought saint of Jesus Christ, you have been forgiven much. Much. Because left in our sins, we would die and face eternal wrath without Christ. And so maybe this morning we can't relate as much to David as being one step away from death and people hounding us to try to, to, to exterminate our life. But certainly spiritually, we all can understand this morning that but by the grace of God, there go I. And by the grace of Jesus Christ and his salvation, we have been given life. And so David begins this psalm with this desperate, um, desperate distress. He tells us all about it. Number two, I want you to see now the deliverance. The deliverance. Now watch what happens. Look at verses 8 through 16 of our text. I won't read them all, but I want you now to notice the words that David uses as he describes the deliverance that God has given him. He says in verse 8, the earth shook, it trembled, the fountains of, of heaven moved and shook, smoke out of his nostrils, fire from his mouth were kindled. Verse 10, the heavens were bowed, he came down. Verse 11, he rode on a cherub and did fly, he was seen upon the wings of the wind. He made the darkness pavilions round about him, dark waters and thick clouds. Verse 13, through the brightness thereof were the coals of fire kindled. The Lord thundered from heaven. The Most High uttered his voice. He sent out arrows and lightning, and the channels of the sea appeared. The foundations of the world were discovered at the blast of his breath of his nostrils. And so David here is speaking, and he's, he's being very descriptive and saying, listen, God delivered me, and this is how he delivered me. And, he, and, and this explanation or the description and the words that are described are foreign to us. Listen I want to just go back and, and, and show you some of the times that David was delivered. Because for David, these were not just historical facts. It was God showing up. Uh, 1 Samuel 18, verse 10. You'll recall the story. And David is playing his harp for the king. And as he's playing the harp, Saul has his spirit come upon him. And he throws the javelin at him. And, and, and David escapes, I think verse 11 says, twice. Let me ask you a question. Was there thundering from heaven when that happened? Was there, did thunder happen when that happened? Does anybody know? No, there wasn't any thunder. Did God come down and ride on a cherub when that happened? This is real easy. Just look at the text. No, it didn't happen. But yet this is how David describes it. Uh, look at another time of deliverance in 1 Samuel 23. This is verse 26. He's being chased by Saul. Saul's army's on one side. David's on the other side. And he's stuck. He's trapped in the middle. And listen, there is no moving of the waters. There is no fire coming down. You know how he's delivered here? A messenger comes in verse 28 and says, Listen, Saul, the Philistines are in the land. And Saul leaves. And David's delivered. 1 Samuel 29, the fight against Israel, where he was going to go against the Israelites with the Philistines, and here he's stuck, and the Philistine king said, no, 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 this guy's not going with us, and David was delivered. And so what's happening here? How is it that David can look at all of these things in his life and yet say, God showed up, he came down, the heavens were open, there was smoke, there was fire, it was like Mount Sinai. How does he say that? Why does he say that? Well, he says it first because he's a poet, right? He's a songwriter. And you know, music guys are strange, right? 
you're a music guy, I'm sorry, but you're just strange sometimes. All right? But he's, he's using this descriptive language because for David, God came down. God showed up. He pulled out all the stops to rescue one man. And I submit to you this morning, many of us, we hear these stories, and we, we hear David's passion, and yet for us, it means very little to us. But I want you to know something, believer. The God of David is alive and well today. He is the living God, and he still comes down for his people today. And if we would open our eyes, we would see his strong deliverance. I want to share with you this morning a couple stories from my life, okay? And I'm sharing them with you so that you can think to trace back God's hand in your own life this morning. Because whether we realize it or not, whether we've described it as thunder or lightning or arrows, God has showed up in our lives. And God has delivered, and God has rescued, and God has given peace. We were expecting our first child. I think I was 20 years old. And we were in Cleveland. Jim and I were in an apartment. And, and close to, not close, I think maybe in the fifth month or so, there were some complications. And so we went to the hospital, and, and we were about to experience the first of five miscarriages. We were just kids, right? And the doctor came in and explained what was going on and said, you're losing this child. And so we sat that night in a sterile hospital room waiting for the baby to pass. And we were devastated. Some of you folks know that. You understand that. You've been through that experience. And so we we sit up all night. We went back to our home. It was early in the morning. It was one of those spring days that the, the sun was shining. I still remember the light coming through the windows. We were exhausted. We laid on our beds, and there was a peace of God that passed all understanding. And God showed up. And it was like him riding on the cherub. He cared for us. He ministered us. He delivered us. The night not too long ago, the deepest, darkest night of our soul together, that we we had real questions, we had real concerns, we didn't know what was going on in our life, life of our kids. And I remember Kim and I laying in bed, and at four in the morning she said to me, she said, Rick, are you awake? Yep. I'm awake. I was awake. He said, are we going to be okay? I said, sweetheart, we're going to be okay. It wasn't because I had some great masterful plan. It was because Psalm 46, the psalm that we read earlier about God, um, be still and know that I am God. And though the, 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 the earth shakes and the, the sea rages, be still and know God is the God of our refuge and our strength. And in that quiet moment, I'm telling you something, God showed up. He showed up. We had our grandmother's funeral last Monday. And um, I left her on Sunday morning. I'm telling you, my voice was terrible. You remember. You're all holding your, like this, right? It's terrible. It was worse on Monday. It was terrible. And so Kim spoke at the funeral, and I followed with the gospel. She did a great job. Before the funeral started, um, some family members that were extended family from my wife's uncle's side just grabbed Kim real quick, an older couple, talked to them, and, and just sort of encouraging. After the funeral, Kim spoke about her grandmother, about her life, about the gospel. I then spoke about the gospel. 
And when we were, in, we were done, you know, sometimes you speak and you wonder, does anything happen? Is anything going on here? And when we were done, that older couple stopped both of us and said, listen, we are born-again believers. Did not know that before. Um, we were Roman Catholic. We came to a saving knowledge of Christ. Our son and his family are here this morning. They're lost without Jesus. And when you were done, we said, that's exactly what we believe. Thank you for sharing the gospel. God showed up, right? He showed up. And I want you just to to sort of trace your life back and see how God has, at times in our life, we've seen his hand move and work and and show up for us. I remember having a conversation after witnessing to a man for a long, long time, and I told him to read chapter 10 of Romans over and over again until he got it. And he called me and said, hey, pastor, I think I'm a born-againer now. Still uses that terminology, a born-againer now. And Sheldon Vince trusted Christ as a savior. And God showed up. And we've been there and we've seen that and we understand that. And, 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 and you've experienced that with prayers that were answered that no one knew about. And God showed up. But I'm fearful. We read these texts and we read these psalms. And certainly we can hear the intensity of David's um, adoration and some degree understand it. But we're never caught up in it. Never. God's people. We read a psalm like Psalm 18 or, or 2 Samuel chapter 22 and say, yeah, 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 that's great, let's move on. But we shouldn't move on. George Whitfield, a great pastor from the past, um, was asked about putting his sermons into print. And here's what he said, well, I have no inherent objection, if you like, but you will never be able to, to put on the printed page the lightning and the thunder. Right? You can write it down, but I don't think you're going to understand the lightning and the thunder. And my concern this morning for our people here is this. We read the written page, and we see of God's deliverance, and we see David's adoration, how he pours his heart out about this God, and we see it, but we never feel the thunder and the lightning. We don't understand this genuine love and adoration for God's deliverance. And what I'm telling you this morning is we should. We should. We should look back in our lives and say, look, at God was at work here, here, here. And, and although thunder didn't sound and lightning didn't flash and the skies were not parted, I know that the living God showed up in my life and he delivered me. I wonder this morning why it is that God's people, I'm not talking about mysticism. I'm, not talk, I'm talking about you and I serve the living God, the living God. There's a story in the Old Testament of Elijah going to meet the Lord, and Elijah follows him. And Elijah says to Elijah, I know it's confusing, their names are pretty close, but Elijah says to Elijah, why are you following me? And Elijah says, because I want a double portion of what you're doing for the Lord. And Elijah says, I can't make any promises, follow me if you want to. The chariot comes and takes him, and he drops his mantle, and Elijah picks it up, and he comes to the river, Jordan, and he says, where is the God of Elijah? And he strikes the water, and and it parts. And for Christians today, I I think many of us say, well, where is the God of Elijah? Where's the God of David? Where's the God who's showing up? And I would just say to you, where are the Elijahs? Where are the men and women who genuinely delight in the Lord? 
Can I tell you something this morning? You popping in for an hour on Sunday and popping out of here and never opening the word, never meditating about God, never praising him or thinking about him is not going to build any type of relationship where you're going to notice God showing up in your life. And yet you think you will, and you will not. And listen to me. If you're a believer in Christ, if the Spirit of God lives within you, there is something innately within that says, I want that. I understand that. I have seen that. I have seen God work in the past, and that's what I want for my life. But I'm telling you something. It's not happening for the nominal Christian who shows up and is gone and never thinks about God, delights about God, praises God, sings about God, is obedient to God. And we serve a living God. And this life is meant to be lived in his power and his ability and in his joy and in his gladness. And so this morning, as we look at David and see his genuine delight for the things of God, the question is, why don't we have that? We spend more time on TV. We spend more time on Facebook. Some of you folks, it's weird how much time you spend on Facebook. It doesn't matter what part of the night or day and someone's on, you are the first to like what they're doing. One in the morning or eight o'clock in the morning or sometime in the afternoon. Do you have a life other than Facebook? You should, because that's not reality. We live in a weird world today, really. We have kids now playing video games, and their activity is watching someone play a, a, a video game. And I'm not lying. They'll sit in a house for eight, eight hours, and they talk about how great they are at, at um, you know, Call of Duty. They're real soldiers out there, right? They're great at football, Madden, and they don't leave their home. And now we have kids who are paying to watch kids play games. Is that not weird? How many folks remember leaving their house and not coming back till the light, streetlights came on? Yeah, the older generation. We didn't want to come back in. We actually played things. We actually ran. Should try it. We actually hit a ball. We actually threw, we actually caught things. We actually kicked a can. It's an amazing thing. We don't live in reality today. We have people in, in, instead of romantic relationships, they're involved in pornography. Because it's scary to step out there and actually talk to somebody or have a relationship with somebody, so they go to the pornography site that she never says no, she's always happy to see him, and it's weird. It's weird. And we have Christians today who sit in church on a Sunday morning and never seek after God's face Monday through Saturday. And you wonder why you read the scripture, and there's no thunder, there's no lightning, because You do not know the God of Scripture. Let me tell you, you know why David was so animated? Because David knew his God. David loved his God. David understood his God. David knew that his God loved him, and even in discipline, David expected God to show up. And for too many of us, we are content to be here on Sunday and never, ever open the Word, get in front of God's face, be obedient to what we know, and we wonder why this tastes like cornflakes to us, which are nasty. What are cornflakes? 
If you, don't, if you don't dump sugar on those things, they're terrible. It's cardboard. It's terrible. And for most of us, we look at God's word, and that's what it is for us. And I'm telling you, it doesn't need to be that way. And it should not be that way. We should look to the word of God and see our God, and it should, it should just flood us with, this is my God. I know him. I expect him to act in my life. I expect him to show up. And David did, and we should as well. And look at this. If, if you look back at our text, um, back toward the end of 2 Samuel chapter 22, verse 20 says this. Um, he brought me forth also into a large place. He delivered me because he delighted me. And, and David, you see this distress, you see deliverance, and then you see delight not only by David, but by God. And look what happens for David. This is true for Christian life. God says, I put you in a wide space. Can I tell you something? There is great freedom and liberty and joy and blessing in obedience to Christ. It is not restricted. It is not a killjoy. It is not a bunch of rules. It is a vibrant relationship with the God of heaven. And so, this morning, as we look at Psalm 18 and 2 Samuel 22, can you see, can you feel, can you hear the delight of David where he just bursts out in praise as he sees how God, through his life, his hand was at work. I look around this audience in this auditorium today, and I know, I've seen God at work in the lives of God's people. We should long for that and expect that. But God's not showing up for a nominal people who couldn't care less. Back in the 30s, when Stalin and the Soviets, you know, it was communism, and, and it was a strange time, right? Because in the 30s, with Stalin, um, if you were against communism and Stalin, you died. That, that's how it went, right? I can't believe a world today that wants to go back into communism. They forget history, actually. So there was a small town in Russia, and there was a sort of a town meeting there, and Stalin wasn't there, but Stalin's name came up. And when it came up, everyone just started applauding and, and stood to their feet at, at the sound of Stalin's name. And uh, so they were applauding. And here was the tricky part now. How do you stop this? Because the first guy to sit down is in real trouble. So here are people in this town meeting, and they're standing for a long, long time until one man, an old man, could no longer stand. And he sat down, Right? And we sat down, it was noted, and then it stopped after that. And the next day, that man was arrested. He was arrested. Because he wasn't, you know, all gun-ho about Stalin. Can I tell you something? That's not the kind of praise that the God of heaven gets. We don't sit around, well, I'm not the first one to sit down, or I just got to do this because if I don't, no. When I know him, and I've, I've walked with him, and I've traced his hand, I cannot help but burst forth in praise. I cannot help but say, listen, I'm not, I'm not just standing because someone's watching, or I go to church. Or I just, I'm telling you, he is my rock. He is my comfort. He is my fortress. He is my high tower. He is my shield. He is my righteousness. He is my deliverer. He is my God. I am his beloved. He looks for me. He is my savior, my king, my Lord. I mean, the praise should come forth from God's people's lips. 
And so this morning, I, I don't know, I, I hope you understand what I'm trying to convey to you. I'm not sure that I have or not, but here's the truth. David was in distress. God delivered him. And when he delivered him, for David, it was like Mount Sinai again. Because God showed up. God rescued him. God pulled out all the stops for one man. And what I'm telling you this morning, believer, child of God, he does it for his children faithfully. And we need to recognize it and praise him for it and delight in him. There should be genuine delight from the lips of God's people this morning. Let's have a word of prayer.